Well, if you're a sports fan, you know that um, the world of sports lost one of its more colorful broadcasters, uh, Craig Sager. Um, Sager, who was 65, died of cancer. Uh, he spent most of his life uh, involved in broadcasting uh, sports events, whether it was football or basketball, baseball, golf, you name it. He was there, and he broadcasted it. Not only did he broadcast, but um, he did it in a very flamboyant way. Um, because whenever you would see him, he would dress nothing short but wild. Um, his jackets would be flamboyant, his shirts, his ties, his pants. Um, when, when they brought the camera to him in the sound booth, um, just his presence made enough noise. Um, interesting guy. I was listening to uh, a commentator this week speak about him and speak about his life and particularly the way he, he dressed. And he, his reasoning for the way he dressed was that he wanted to pursue a life of brilliance. I thought that was pretty cool. To pursue a life of brilliance. Because deep down inside, that's within all of us. To pursue a life where we can experience awe, wonder, brilliance. To pursue a life where, where we can have a sense of something wilder, something bigger, something greater. It's interesting that um, Sanford University this past year did a study on wonder. And um, I want to share with you a definition that they gave for wonder that I thought was so cool. If we can put that up there, and you might not be able to read it, so I'll read it for you. Wonder is an experience of such perceptual vastness that you have to reconfigure your mental schema to accommodate the experience. We are reset by the sheer overwhelming awe purged in a perfect consummation with perfection itself. Isn't that great? I, I can't think of a better definition for what wonder is. It's something that causes you to reconfigure your mental schema, causes us to reset our minds because of the overwhelming awe of it all, purged in perfect consummation with perfection itself. <clears throat> I can't think of a better definition. It's interesting. We long for that, even though we're not able to necessarily name it. In fact, uh, in this study, uh, these researchers found this. That instance of awe leaves subjects as fundamentally better people. The study reported increased feelings of well-being, increased compassion, and increased altruism. This revelation, that moments of awe make us better people, have provided a scientific justification for my own existential yearnings for ecstasy and bliss. 
They are the foundations of an entire way of life. Chasing rhapsodies makes us nicer. Seeking inspiration is really seeking a better self. That's their conclusion. And you can see it. I mean, think about it. We engage in sports and in the competition of it all that that out of it might come some sense of a a greater wonder, a greater glory. Uh, We try to compose music to capture the wonder of it all. I mean, when you listen to just a couple minutes ago of Caleb, uh, Caleb on the violin, there was a sense of wonder, a sense of inspiration, a sense of brilliance. We try to create it, we try to compose it. Uh, we try to conjure it up in deep thinking. Uh, we try to copy it in past events. Make no mistake about it. We live our lives, whether we realize it or not, or understand the name of it, seeking wonder. Because without wonder, the world is pretty empty. It's, it's pretty stale. It's pretty boring. Wonder is a gift that's given to us to keep us from becoming suicidal, to keep us from becoming depressed and launched into despair. Uh, this morning, we're going to continue a, a series we started last week talking about uh, unsung gifts of Christmas. Last week, last week, we talked about beauty. And we said, we saw how much beauty is a picture of what Christmas is really about. And that any beauty outside of divinity is just ugliness. But Christmas reminds us of beauty because when we look at the Christmas story, that's what we see. I mean, just the, the, the beauty of, of a loving husband and, and a loving wife underdogs in the world surrounded by all sorts of hostility and yet in their love they meet God in the brilliance of his divinity and it produces beauty. Well this morning we're going to look at another one of those unsung gifts and when I say unsung gifts what I mean is the gifts that are kind of the secondary gifts of Christmas when we talk about salvation and peace um, and joy. Beauty and wonder, you can't have the others without them and yet the others are primary. If you try to take beauty out of salvation, you don't have salvation. If you try to take wonder out of uh, the story of the nativity, then you have no story, no history at all. So this morning, I want to look at what wonder is all about. I want to just take a few minutes to describe it for you, because we're going to look at Luke's gospel in the second chapter, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to just, we're going to look at the elements of it, the elements that compose it, and then we're going to pull all those elements together, and we're going to look at the reason for it. We're gonna look at the purpose of it. And then we're gonna challenge ourselves with it. 
So let's begin. Let's look at Luke chapter 2. We read, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now, let me just give you a little background. You probably already know this. What do we know about shepherds at the time? Shepherds were considered low-class bottom of the feeding chain. Uh, They were people who were dirty and people who usually couldn't get jobs doing anything else. In fact, they were considered, many of them, to be not overly trustworthy people. Shepherds were people who had to stay out with animals all night and all day and very rarely bathed or even engaged with the public. And so the public saw shepherds as, as these immigrant workers who were untouchable. People you didn't want to be around, people you sure didn't invite over for dinner. And what do we see? And the wonder of Christmas Angels appear to shepherds. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. What's one of the first elements of of wonder? It's glory. You can't have real wonder without the glory of God. It's just not possible. Anything you have without God's glory in it, it's just a, a cheap substitute. It's, it's just a, a, a temporary medication. You can have the, the, the wonder, uh, the glory that comes when you compete in some big sporting event and you're some great underdog, but once it's over, it's over. It's temporal. It's fading. It doesn't last. You can find wonder in some great remembrance of some great activity or the intensity of some loving relationship and, and be awestruck by it, but it, it passes. Wonder without glory isn't wonder at all. Real wonder has to be soaked in the glory of God. Because in God's glory, you can never get enough. In God's glory, there's mystery you can never understand. In God's glory, you feel a filling that you can't duplicate. So when we talk about real wonder in life. It's wonder that comes in God's glory. And outside of God's glory, you can't have wonder. It doesn't exist. All you'll have 
is some temporary inspiration, some poor replication of awe that will quickly wear off. So when we look at Luke chapter 2, the first thing we see in this whole story of wonder um, is that it is soaked in glory. We read on, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. What does wonder bring? It brings the glory of God, but also soaked in wonder it is prosperity. See, real wonder changes you. Real wonder gives to you. God doesn't show up in our lives in some grand way just to beat on his own chest. Just to show how wonderful he is. Whenever God shows up to us in a way in which we are captivated by brilliance, by awe, by wonder, the beauty of it is it's for our benefit. God does nothing in our lives that isn't for our benefit. I mean, that's what's so incredible. You know, when, when we read the Bible, through the Old Testament and the New, we keep running into the word glory. And people will say, well, doesn't that make God kind of vain? That everything's about his glory? Everything is about making him look at, no. God's glory is for a purpose. To bring wonder. And that wonder always brings to us benefit. It always brings to us prosperity. The prosperity of good news in bad times that will change our lives forever. What's the wonder of the story of Christmas? It's that God so loved his people, so cared about them, so desired to pour life in them when all they were doing is drinking poison all day long. He so loved them that he gave himself to them. That he came to a people who could have cared less for a savior and save them anyways. So when we talk about wonder, we talk about glory. But wonder isn't just glory for glory's sake, it's glory that always brings the prosperity of blessing to men and women. It always shows up to benefit God's people. Let's look on. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praying, praising God and saying, glory to God in the heavens, in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So when God comes to us, when we look at the Christmas story and we talk about the wonder of the story, what do we see? We see God's glory. 
We see the prosperity that he brings. But wonder also always brings clarity. That we understand what we didn't understand before. It brings the, the clarity of God's affection and it brings the clarity of God's direction for our lives. Because what good is wonder if you don't really understand it? What good is wonder if it really doesn't change the way that you think and the way that you act? The wonder of what took place in Christmas is that God came down and he spoke and he directed his people. He clarified to them what he was doing. Let's go on. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. It brings a sense of opportunity. That in wonder, God gives us the opportunity to draw nearer to him. To be more intimate with him. To know him like we didn't know him before. And that's what you see with the shepherds. And the wonder of the story, God draws them nearer in intimacy with himself. Next one. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who were... What had been told them about this child... And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. What does wonder bring? It brings greater fidelity. What is fidelity? Fidelity is a commitment that we make. It's a commitment to loyalty. It's a devotion and dedication that changes who we are. When they saw the child, when they saw all that God was doing, they were filled with awe. And, and they pondered in their hearts. Mary pondered in her heart. It brought her a deeper sense of conviction, a deeper sense of loyalty. Now, last one. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. What's the last component of wonder? It's responsibility. Wonder always comes with responsibility. Now, we, we went through those fasts, and, and I did it for a purpose. I just want you to, to kind of think and get a little bit of a grasp of what are we talking about when we're talking about wonder. We're talking about God's glory. We're talking about the prosperity that he gives us, the clarity that we find, the serenity of his peace. We're talking about the fidelity that we're drawn into and the responsibility that we walk away with. So, here's what I want to do. 
I want to share with you a principle that comes from all of this that defines the purpose of wonder. The purpose of wonder is to turn faith into faithfulness and bring joy out of usefulness. What good is wonder if it doesn't change you? What good is wonder if it doesn't move you? What good is inspiration if it just leads to greater apathy? The purpose of wonder is to inspire, is to bring you closer to God, to take what you say you believe and to transform it into something of use. The purpose of wonder is to take your faith and transform it into faithfulness. See, you can have faith. You can say you believe. But here's the deal. If your faith never becomes faithfulness, then there's really no faith at all. You see, wonder is there to captivate us and to cause us to do something wonderful. And in the midst Let me just share a, a little bit of what came out of that study again. Um, the study found that the subjects involved who experienced just small little incidences of awe and wonder became fundamentally better people. It increased their compassion, and it increased their altruism. In fact, what they found was that they were people who were 40% more likely to be generous to other people. That they were people who were more apt to give of themselves sacrificially. And that's people who just experienced little slivers of wonder, moments of inspiration that comes from the temporal wonder of this world. What should the wonder of God's gift to us in Christ bring? It should be a wonder that's far much better. It should be a wonder that takes our faith and turns it in to faithfulness and brings joy out of usefulness. I want to read to you just a quote from um, a gentleman by the name of Leo Rostin. He writes this. I cannot believe that the purpose of life is to be happy. I think the purpose of life is to be useful, to be responsible, to be compassionate. 
It is above all to matter, to count, to stand for something, to have made some difference that you have lived at all. Here's a guy who's not a believer and yet saying the purpose of life should, should be that you made a mark, that you made a difference, that you were useful. The purpose of wonder isn't to bring happiness out of idleness. The purpose of wonder is to take faith and transform it into faithfulness and to bring a joy that is produced out of usefulness. What was the wonder of the story of Christmas? God showed up to some shepherds. Well, that was awe-inspiring enough. But what did the shepherds do? They took it as an opportunity. They took it as a responsibility, and they went out. And they saw the Christ child. And then they went forward in responsibility, in faithfulness. And they shared the good news of Christ with the world. That's what wonder does. It's interesting. We were, um, we've been looking at Joseph in our SPS study. And one of the things that just really just captivated me in the study, is we're told at the beginning of, of Joseph's life and throughout that God was with Joseph. I just want you When you look at his life, in the good times, we're told that God was with him. And then in the bad times, we're told that God was with him. And then again, in the good times, God was with him. Uh, from pit to pinnacle, God was with him. Now, here's the cool thing about Joseph. If you haven't read the story, go back and read it. Uh, Genesis chapter 38 is really when you could pick this up. Here's the cool thing about Joseph. Unlike what so many of us struggle, God was with Joseph, right? And Joseph was with God. That's so cool. You see, God is with us. The problem is, we're usually over here. God is with us, but we wander and we're not with him. Because we think God isn't with us. And so we act as if we're on our own. What if we really believed that God was with us? I mean, God has a pretty good batting average, right? Usually doesn't lose. In fact, come to think of it, he never loses. So what if I really believed that this God who never loses is right beside me? That this God who never loses is with me? He's not just with me in, in, in being present. He's with me for me. Trying to transform me, trying to do something wonderful in me. What if I really believed that? I would walk in a sense of wonder, wouldn't I? 
I would walk in a sense of, this is incredible. Yet, though I walk through the valley of darkness, I'll fear no evil. Why? God's with me. In fact, he's with me so much that I can take my faith and turn it into faithfulness and do what's right before him. And in my faithfulness, I'll experience more of his wonderfulness. I mean, it's a powerful thing. In fact, let me tell you something. Find me someone whose faith hasn't been turned into faithfulness, and I'll find you someone who lives a life without wonder. It's just true. I've met so many Christians, there's no wonder in their lives. There's no sense of awe and brilliance. They don't wake up and expecting great things from God and looking for God around them and seeing the wonder of life. They wake up depressed. They wake up insecure. They wake up sure that they're on their own and they're victims of life. Why? Because there's no wonder in their lives. You can't have wonder if you don't have a faith that is transformed into faithfulness. That's just the way it is. Faithfulness means I engage. I trust that God is with me. And so I'm with him. Problems of life because I know God's not there. He's, he's over here. God is with me means God doesn't want me to worry because that means I'm acting like he isn't with me. God with me means I don't go out and sin trying to find pleasure where it can't be found. God is with me means that I believe that he's the best deal in town. God is with me means that I know that every day I will walk in wonder, in awe. That brilliance won't just be a coat that I wear. Brilliance will be a God I travel with. See, what makes Christmas so wonderful is because in the story, God's people were faithful. God was with them. And they were with him. And it just exploded in awe. It just exploded in wonder. And in the midst of their joy, God made them useful. Let me ask you a question. Do you experience much, much wonder in your life? Are you inspired very often? Do you begin to believe big things? Are you willing to risk big things? Do 
James says, faith without works is dead. No wonder. No awe. No brilliance. If you have faith, then put it to work in faithfulness. Because if you do, you will experience the wonder. You'll live a life that is happy, but more than that. You'll live a life that's wonderful because it's useful. There shouldn't be one area of our lives where we don't allow God's wonder to infect and impact. Because the issue is how many days will we let drift by? How many years will pass us by where there's no wonder and therefore there's no beauty and therefore there's no joy and no peace no prosperity and no glory. Christmas is a time to look at our faith and ask ourselves, am I living a faithful life? Because if I am, it'll be a joyful, wonderful, useful life. But if I'm not... then I'm dying if not dead. Under. And then challenges us about whether there's any wonder in our story, in our lives. What does it mean to pursue wonder and faithfulness? Real quick. Give generously. You want to experience wonder? Give generously. And I mean that. New Hampshire, out of all 50 states, worst givers, worst church attenders. And you can see it on the face of the people. No wonder. They wonder about God but they don't walk in the wonder of God. They're dead. Depression, despair, feeling like constant victims. And even the Christians who have faith, but it doesn't seem to change anything. I sit with people all week long who are Christians who cheat on their spouses, who lie, who aren't trustworthy, who hurt other people. They don't believe that God's with them even though they say they believe that God is for them. And so they act out what they deeply believe that they're on their own. 
find me people who give generously in faith and you'll find a faithful person and you'll find a person who is not only joyful but useful to God. Number two, people who speak hopefully. People who speak hopefully, who don't complain, who don't murmur, who aren't jaded, even in the midst of their struggles can still step back and say, but God. In the midst of their complaining, they can remember, wait a minute, God's in control and he's with me and everything's okay. You want to see wonder? Go speak hopefully to someone who doesn't have hope. Go speak joyfully to someone who is stuck in misery. And you'll see wonders as they come alive, as they begin to believe something's better and everything's possible. Living a life of faithfulness comes in giving generously and speaking hopefully. Number three, it comes in helping constantly. What are we here for? We're here to make a difference. We're here to make a mark. We're here to be useful. We're here to show the world that that we have seen and encountered the wonder of God. That when we talk about a wonderful life, it's not a movie. It's a reality. To help. We're never so concerned with other things that we can't care for people in front of us. People who are faithful are people who are helpful. Number four, people who worship joyfully. When you sing, sing. We're getting better, but I'm telling you. I wish we could have cameras that just ran across the congregation and flashed it on the screen as we're singing. Not good. I don't want to presuppose, but there's a lack of wonder. Just is. Hate me for it, but you have to live with it. Worship joyfully. Worship and rejoice if you just have encountered the wonder of God. That his glory is shown all around you. That you're struck by the prosperity of his generosity in Christ. Worship joyfully. Lastly, (coughs) excuse me, witness fearlessly. Don Plumpton has taught me 
a few things about that. To just not care. To just find the opportunity and take it. To find a waitress and say something kind and then point her to Christ. The greatest kindness there is. Witness fearlessly. Because if you do, when you get done, you will, you will feel the wonder and the awe and the inspiration of God upon you. Christmas will become a reality within you. I want to share with you just a little portion of a poem that one man wrote that I think is so powerful. No one stays forever. Now, just let that soak in for a minute. Because we live in this, this really pathetic denial that we're going to be here forever. So, let me give you the memo. You're going to die. Everything that you have is going to undeserving relatives. Okay? So, you better tee up to it. All of your wonderful accolades and diplomas, your kids are going to maybe keep the frames and throw the rest away. No one stays forever. But bless those whose name stays for good. Inspiring awe and wonder and brought forth the gifts of the Creator. You want to know what it means to live? It means to live in wonder. It means to look at the Christmas story and, and just see the wonder of faith turned into faithfulness and the joy that comes from usefulness. Because no one stays forever. If you think you'll find happiness out of idleness, you're deceiving yourself. You want to experience real wonder? Go and give generously. Go and speak hopefully to someone. Help constantly. Worship joyfully and witness fearlessly. And when your life is over, it'll just have begun. And no one will say of you, they passed away at 80 but died at 30. They will look at you and they will wonder over the wonder. Let's join our hearts in prayer.